starting there where we left off last week in the seventh verse. Proverbs chapter 1, starting in verse number 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, <clears throat> but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, Lord, I pray that you enlighten our eyes with this word this evening. Lord, the reality of what wisdom is, looks like how wisdom is manifested in the life of a believer is put forth in this text to say to be to say that you are wise to say that you have gained knowledge but to deny the existence of you scripture makes very clear to us this evening they are nothing but fools yet in this world it seems that so many are praised for their wisdom and yet live in a life of denial of you. Lord, be with us. Be with those who are next door, putting forth your word. If there be anyone lost or someone who needs you this evening, Lord, I pray that you work in their heart. In Jesus' name, amen. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Last week, as we began our study in the book of Proverbs, we said that the book of Proverbs is a book of wisdom. In the first few verses that we seen last week, we seen that a wise person will hear the truths of this book. But not only will a wise person <clears throat> hear the truths of this book, but they will apply the truths of this book. And it says that for the person who hears this wisdom in this book and applies the wisdom in this book it has the power to make the simple wise and it has the ability to make a, a young man have discretion it has the ability to instruct us all the days of our lives that's really what is put forth in the first six verses Solomon last week really took time to introduce us to the ability of God's word, to the ability that the book of Proverbs has. But we must ask ourselves, as we discovered last week, if Proverbs already existed in this time, meaning not the book of Proverbs, but Proverbs was a common thing for people to write proverbs like the egyptian culture wrote proverbs well if proverbs existed in this time what gives this book of proverbs the far-reaching ability to make one wise versus the other proverbs verse number seven really sets out to introduce to us how the book of proverbs how how the, how the writer of Proverbs, Solomon says, this is how this book is different than any other book. This is how this book has the ability to change you. This is how this book has the ability to make one wise. He said, the reason this book has the ability to make you wise 
isn't because it was learned sitting at the foot of Socrates. It, it wasn't because I gleaned all of these truths from the Egyptian Proverbs. It, it wasn't because I studied old writings. It was because we learned them from the Lord. That's what he says. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Remember, Proverbs are writings, small writings that uh, are catchy sayings that have an immense amount of knowledge to the reader. So he says the reason these Proverbs can apply to us and the reason they're so powerful is because this knowledge was gained from the Lord. Really, verse number seven, I guess you could say, is the, the main theme for the entire book of Proverbs. He says, to all those who read this book, to all those who hear this book, we must understand the writings of this book came from the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of knowledge. True knowledge comes from the Lord. True wisdom comes from the Lord. Now, to understand before we even to dive in how such a statement could mean all of this, we need to understand that we live in a society where knowledge is desired. We live in a society where people who seem to be wise is exalted and lifted up. I cringe to think about this, but... You know, for many years, the, that physicist Stephen Hawking was bound to a wheelchair who really, I mean, he was an intellectual giant of our day. He was brilliant when it came to the, to the matter of physics. Yet, in all of his studies and in all of his learnings, it was recorded that he said that in all of his study, he was anchored in this belief that there was no God and that there was no creator. Now he's dead and found out that that is not true. But even in our day today, look at the man Elon Musk. People just, anything this man does because they say that he's brilliant. I mean, in a sense, listen, he is an intellectual giant of our day. He can, he's done figuring out how to launch rockets into outer space and bring them back down and land. That is an intellectually thing uh, that takes such intellectual prowess. It has never been done before. Yet in all of his learning and all of his ability, he denies the existence of God in the Bible. He says the only way that God can be found in this world is through physics. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7 makes it easier for us to understand. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7 says, It's possible to be an intellectual giant in your day. It's possible to have the intellectual prowess where you could post one comment on Twitter and people go crazy. It's possible to have that much intellectual prowess and to be a moral and spiritual infant. To be a moral and spiritual dwarf. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7 really brings to light what is the profit to gain all of this intellectual knowledge about science and then deny the fact there is a creator? What is this 
prowess that you can gain all of this intellectual knowledge about physics and then deny that there is a creator of the matter which you have studied in physics. Verse 7 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. You want to know where true wisdom begins? It begins with a proper fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord. Now, I guess this would need some explaining for us so that we can fully grasp what Solomon is trying to convey to us. The fear of the Lord is a reverence for God. The fear of the Lord is a love for God. The fear of the Lord is a trust in God. The fear of the Lord is obedience to God. The fear of the Lord is humility towards God. So this is also to say that the fear of the Lord is put on display in our lives when we live a life of obedience towards him. It's to say that we fear the Lord when we humble ourselves in this world and make much of the Lord. It is to say that we fear the Lord even when we don't know how it's going to turn out, we trust that he is going to bring us through. This is the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Now, it is not to imply that this fear of the Lord only comes when you first meet the Lord. He says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Now, when he says here to you that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, it does not mean that you only experience the fear of the Lord when you first get saved. Matter of fact, this word in the Hebrew, it, I guess you could put it into this kind of perspective. What exactly this word beginning means. When an engineer goes forth to build a bridge... The first thing the engineer does is he works out all the calculations for the foundations. Then after he works out the calculations for the foundation, then he starts to begin to think about the decking that's going to lay on the foundation. Then after he lays the decking on the foundation, then he begins to think about how to stabilize the decking. But as he builds the canopy over the decking, he has never forgot the original calculations about what the foundation can hold. You see, it is all interconnected. That is exactly what the word beginning emphasizes in the Hebrew. It doesn't say here, when you look up the word beginning, it doesn't mean just the start. It doesn't mean that the fear of the Lord is just at the start. The word reshit means that it is the overarching principle. It means that it is the controlling principle. It means that it is the controlling thought. It is the chief thing from the beginning all the way until it is finished. It is the overarching point. The chief principle that we live life, this is the fear of the Lord for us, the beginning when you take that same principle, it is to say that 
The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but it is manifested from the moment that we start until the very end when it is all finished and completed and we're home with the Lord. It's not just for the start. It is involved in every aspect of our life. Also understand that there is a difference of relationships being shown in this text. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. There is people who have the knowledge of God, and there are people who know God. This text is speaking of people who actually know the Lord. There are many people in our society who have knowledge of God, but usually these people who say that they have a knowledge of God usually following after that, produces some of the most irreverent things you can say towards God. And yet they say they know of God. But it's very clear that they don't know God or they wouldn't speak that way. Let me kind of put it in this way. I know Lauren Holt. She is more, I just, more than just know about her, I know her. We have a relationship. Now, I, let me tell you how close this relationship is. I can tell you, even when she is not in the house, that when I'm sitting back in the recliner and I go to put an empty Nutty Buddy wrapper on my table next to my recliner, I can tell you that when I leave my shoes in the dining room on the floor, I can tell you when I dig through the laundry hampers in the bedroom and clothes hit the floor, I begin to cringe at the thought of what she's going to do to me and what this is going to do to our relationship when she comes home and finds this. This is because I know my wife. I know our relationship. I know the things that disappoint her, and I know the things that make her happy. This is the same principle that applies here in our text. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The reason that I humbly follow the Lord, the reason that I love the Lord, the reason that I reverence him, the reason that I have all for him, and the reason that I respect him is because of my love for him. It's my relationship with him that even when I do things that are wrong, even though I may not be in communication with him at the moment, when I do those things, I cringe because of my relationship with the Lord. I know he does not approve of this in the same way that I cringe when I let my wife down. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Now, people will take this statement and will say, the reason that you obey the Lord is because you, uh, if you don't obey the Lord, God's going to do something bad to you. He's going to strike you down like the little tyrannical kids smashing ants when they come out of the ant colony. That's not why we obey the Lord. We obey the Lord because our relationship is based on love. Now, I failed my wife. <laughs> so I just got in trouble for it the other day. I fail. Sometimes I fall asleep and leave the naughty body rappers there. And I apologize, and I usually clean them up, not most of the time. But 
the point is this, is that just because I know that she doesn't want me to do that doesn't mean that I don't let her down. But when I do let her down, I want to do better. I say, I'm sorry, and I, I'm good for at least a week. And this is the same in relationship with the Lord. But also what we see here is that there is also an opposing group. There are, there are those who fear the Lord. There are those who love the Lord. And they are those who prosper in knowledge and wisdom because they are following after the Lord. But he says there, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. There are a group of people who will simply reject God's truths. They will reject God's word. Scripture says they are indeed not wise. But this book that was designed to give wisdom and instruction will be rejected by the foolish. Solomon on the outset of writing this text is making it clear that not everybody's going to be excited about what he has been moved by the Holy Spirit to write down. But he wants you to know that if you're not excited about what's written down here, it's because you're a fool and you despise wisdom and instruction. Even more, it's kind of made uh, clear to us why they despise this or, or why they will not enjoy this. He says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now, understand the word despise is a word of emotion. Now, I, I love to harass my children. People were talking about me playing pranks on them just before the services. I like to tease my kids and my son Levi. I will oftentimes tease him about different things. And most of the time, he'll blow me off. But when he blows me off, I don't walk away. I up my game. And so then I start teasing him about other things things that I know he doesn't like too much. And those things usually produce a, not a blow off, but a disfigurement in the face and a stare at me. You see, these things produce an emotional response from my son because he does not want to hear them. When it says here that Fools despise wisdom and instruction. It is implying the same thing, that this produces a disfigurement in their face. They loathe this so much that they can't help but put it on display to those who are telling them all about it. They are in such opposition to wisdom and instruction that they will rebuke someone or they will condemn someone saying, I don't even want to hear this. We've heard it all. You know, when it comes to trying to tell people the truths of God's words, but they reject it. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. They despise it. They believe that in their own prideful way. And by the way, this is what this means. They despise instruction because they believe in their own minds and hearts that they are wise enough that they do not need God's word. They despise it because they believe that they are smarter than God, that they're, that they're gifted enough to make it through life 
without God. Or some will even say that they're just too busy for it. They don't want no harm for it, but they don't want to hear nothing about it. Scripture defines that person as a fool. Now we must ask ourselves, where is the line? Notice here it does not say that a lost person is the only person who's a fool for not heeding this wisdom and instruction. It says that anyone who does not heed the wisdom and instruction of this book, they are the fool. Now you can be saved and act foolish. You can be saved and make foolish decisions. And guess what? Foolish decisions have consequences just like for the believer and the unbeliever. When you don't obey God's words, you're opening yourself to embrace problems. But even more, we see here that he says, fools despise wisdom and instruction. I want to give you this. This is an alternative, but it's also a serious reality. When you despise wisdom and instruction, you can, you can disobey it now, but you can't disobey it forever. Now, there's a story that is told of a young man who was driving a two-buggied or a two-horsed carriage down the road, and he had, as he was going down the road, he had lost control of the carriage. As he lost control of the carriage, the boy started to believe in his mind that imminent death was waiting upon him. That at any moment the horse was going to take a turn, he was going to be thrown from the carriage and that he was going to die. But in that moment, a, a stranger sprung from the crowd and grabbed a hold of the bridle of the horses and pulled them down until the horses calmed down. The boy in such excitement that his life was spared he jumped off of the uh, carriage and hugged the man who pulled the bridle of the horses down because he believed he, he saved his life. Some months later, this same young man had got caught up with the wrong people and had found himself standing before the judge being charged with murder. The penalty for murder during this time was the death sentence. As the young man walked into the room and stood before the judge, he looked up at the judge and recognized that this judge was the same man who sprung in and grabbed the hold of the bridle of the horses some months earlier and spared his life. As the judge began to talk to the young man and began to talk to him about what he had done and did he understand the penalty of all this, the young man said, Sir, don't you remember me? Don't you remember me? I'm the boy who was driving the carriage and you jumped in and, and saved my life. I mean, don't you remember me? Now, you didn't spare me then just to have me put to death now. Silence filled the room waiting to hear what the judge was going to say. Then the judge began to speak to the young man. He said, young man, in that day, in that moment when you was riding in the carriage, I was there to be your hero. But here in this courtroom, I am the administrator of justice. You are found guilty of murder and I sentence you to death. Solomon in the same way pleads with you right now. 
He says, in this very moment, this same wisdom, this same knowledge that he puts forth, he pleads with you to follow the instructions. Follow it now. This is the path of hope in your life. Follow it. Please follow it now. I mean, today, Scripture says, is the day of salvation. Today is the stop, the day to stop living in sin. Today, today, today. This is the same thing that Solomon is putting forth here. But there's coming a day where the same wisdom and instruction that is put before you to follow on the right path will be the same wisdom and instruction that judges you. The same hope that you have in the word before you, if you will just heed it and follow it, will be the same word that Jesus Christ will use on the day of judgment that will condemn us for how we failed to follow him, how we failed him in our walk, how we chose not to follow wisdom and instruction as it was put before us. It's the truth here. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. They despise it. But notice the scripture does not say that they escape it. They, we all will as a whole, eventually heed to the wisdom and, and instruction that is put forth in God's word. We will. We all will. We'll all heed it. You can snarl your face at it. You can make funny faces, and the reality is this. The truth is that many of us here tonight, especially on a Wednesday night, we all have a full knowledge, really, of what God expects of us. You don't need me to follow you around and say, hey, brother so-and-so, you just sinned. Your sister so-and-so, you just sinned. And I don't need you to follow me around. I know when I sinned. I know when I've let God down. I know when I've harmed my relationship. But wisdom and instruction here shows us how to get that back. Wisdom and instruction says you don't have to stay there. You can, there's a path back. But foolishness will keep you on the course where you do not obey God's word. Foolishness will keep you on the course where you do not heed God's wisdom. But if you want to live a life where, the, where not where the world considers you wise, who cares? Wise is it whether you send a rocket to outer space or whether you do many of the other things. By the way, let me just say this. There are many, many, many great people in American history who have been impactful in American history, who've done great things in American history, who have been believers. I believe personally that is from a fruitful walk with the Lord. You know, when you talk to philosophers, they say, well, the greatest philosopher that's ever been produced in American history is Jonathan Edwards. Well, you know, before Jonathan Edwards was ever a philosopher, he was a preacher. He was a student of God's word. It doesn't matter whether you talk. I can't even think of the man who developed a way to have those offshore rigging when they couldn't figure it out for drilling oil or so on and so forth. So many people in history, in American history I'm speaking of, have impacted American history, have been followers of Jesus Christ. 
I believe that's from living a life of following him. But even if you never send a rocket to outer space, even if you never achieve status in Forbes magazine, even if you never consider yourself a wealthy person and you just make it through uh, life just a nickel and dime at a time, Scripture says that if you will just fear the Lord reverently in awe and follow after him, respect him, humble yourself, stay at his feet and follow his word, you will be counted as wise. But a fool will to not heed his word, to not surrender in his word, and to think you're going to come out of this okay. You ain't coming out okay. There's my negative for the day, Brother Tim. It ain't happening. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we give thanks to you for all that you've done. Lord, may you help us set aside the foolishness of our own hearts that we think that we could make it through this life trying to do things our way, that we think that we can know what your word says and try to navigate around it, that we could think that we could have a prosperous relationship with you, with anyone, without you being the leading, guiding focus of our life. Lord, I pray that you'll bless this study in the book of Proverbs week after week, Lord, that you continue to fill my cup, that we may glean from these sayings and these statements and gain understanding and see how they apply to our lives even today. We give thanks to you for all that you've done in Jesus' name. Amen.